Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and producers, the science community, industry, and policy makers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. Now, from next week on Factum Agri, I will be taking another look at indigenous biodiversity and sequestration, as these are a couple of big and important areas for New Zealand farmers right now. But this week, I have a couple of interviews from the USA, and the interviews were conducted by a US-based farmer. The purpose of this is to simply give an insight into how farmers in the USA are dealing with carbon-related challenges and what programs are available to them. USA farmer Andy picks up from here. Dr. Chuck Rice from Kansas State University. He is a professor of soil microbiology in the Department of Agronomy and teaches courses and conducts research on soil carbon and nitrogen, soil health, microbial ecology, and climate change impacts on agricultural and grassland ecosystems. Dr. Rice has served in numerous capacities with professional societies, including President of the Soil Science Society of America in 2011. In 2007, he was among scientists recognized for their work on the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, when that work won the Nobel Peace Prize. I met Dr. Rice at a recent conference in central Kansas. He says, first, focus on the benefits of what you are doing for the soil, regardless of any program available to you. In other words, don't chase the carbon program, but rather chase the system that will help your soil the most. Visiting with Dr. Chuck Rice, and Dr. Rice, you certainly know a lot about soil microbiology, agronomy there at Kansas State. Today you were talking about no-till. Simply talk about the benefits. You know, as farmers, we hear that, yeah, no-till is important, but tell me how important it is from a soil microbiology standpoint. Yeah, so the if you look at kind of the undisturbed prairie, which part of the Midwest was covered over with, you know, it's not disturbed. And so the act of that tillage, what it does is it disrupts kind of that networking between microbes, particularly fungal hyphae as they grow through the soil and so that disturbance breaks open that uh, network Uh, and then the other thing is that it provides the soil particle structure provides a home for the microbes and so as you break open that that soil structure and, and make it smaller and more compact then you change the living environment for the microbes. Whenever we began to till the, the prairies, you know, a century ago or whatever, we began to lose some of that carbon. So that's going to happen. But how much of that can we gain back through just how the cropping systems that we use? Yeah, so that's an excellent question. Um, we don't know. Um, some people say, well, we can get maybe 50% of it back. That We've lost about 50%. So maybe we can get half of that back. Um, some of our research actually shows that with uh, higher inputs of carbon through manure and composting, maybe through you know, really increasing the intensity, that we can get close to maybe 80 or 90 percent back. Um, some of our work outside of the U.S. in Brazil, we actually have shown that we can get uh, back to what it, it was originally. So when we're getting that back, what is it we're doing then to recapture some of that that used to be there when this ground wasn't tilled at all? Right. So, again, carbon is organic matter, right? And so as plant material decays by microbes, roots and the res- leaves, then it gets sta- uh, converted into a stable form. So a lot of the leaves will turn over in a year 
uh, or two. The stable soil organic matter will last uh, in different phases, but some 10, but even some of that centuries uh, is old organic matter, old carbon. And so what you're trying to do is put it in, stabilize it, protect it inside aggregates or soil structure and make it um, more stable or more protected so the microbes can't quickly utilize it and put it back into the atmosphere. One of the things that you mentioned in there that I hadn't thought about, you mentioned stabilizing it. As we farm, we think about, well, there's residue on top of the soil, and that's important, but it's really something that decomposes much, much more over time. And seeing that over years, you're just gaining a little bit over time from your research, correct? Right. So if you... You know, if you're in a no-till system, you can see last year's residue and maybe two years. Maybe you might see three, but a lot of that's been decomposed. And what happens is that the microbes start to break that down, decompose it, because it's their food source, right? But like I was saying is then as they're growing, then they're respiring carbon dioxide, just like we respire. And so then a lot of that plant carbon now gets transformed and put back into the atmosphere as carbon dioxide. Does it matter about crop rotations? I know it does and what crops that you have in there. So how does that impact how much soil carbon are we putting back into the soil? Right. So one is you want crop residue that's slow to decay. So really kind of fresh material alfalfa would decay really fast, Um, but also need a large amount. Soybeans, as I was talking about, do not produce a lot of residue. And so they are better or um, hardly able to supply enough food for the microbes. So then the microbes start using the soil, organic carbon. Um, But high residue, higher residue crops like wheat, like corn, uh, sorghum, but also then if they're um, um, older material, like corn stalks are harder to degrade than, say, uh, a soybean leaf. And so it's the quantity and then the quality of the carbon. Is there a way that I can increase my quantity and my quality uh, as I'm farming, or is it just it depend on just the rotation I'm going to use and I, and I can't really affect it that much? Well, uh, you can by adding a mixture of crops in one sense. So like I said, soybeans aren't very good, so you want to then intermix a rotation that has some corn sorghum or wheat in that rotation but the other thing is using cover crops Um, the more carbon that you put into the system the better off you are so having that you know regenerative ag they're talking about that living root system so having that continuous root system continuous supply of carbon is important so you can mix different crop species Uh, soybeans provide nitrogen but then you want to have then that mixed with, say, corn, that's a low nitrogen crop residue, so they kind of balance it out. You mentioned cover crops there. How big of a difference can having a cover crop then over the winter months, and then I'm going to kill that off before perhaps spring planting, how big of a difference does that make in my carbon in the soil? It makes a big difference because then you have, you know, at least it depends on where where you're at, but you're having that cover crop grow in the late fall, and then more importantly, in early in the spring before you reg- normally plant your soybean or, or corn or sorghum plots. So some people listening to this perhaps haven't changed to no-till. And d- depending on where they live in the country, they may have reasons for that. 
Are there reasons that you would stay in a tillage system, or should you try to get over to no-till whatever you can do, even if you live you know, up north and we worry about yeah. getting enough heat in the yeah. soil and planting? Uh, what do you think? Well, you know, so I, no-till is, is not easy. It takes some experience, some skill, but people get out of it or don't try it because it's the it's a harder thing to do, right? Um but there are some soils that are really heavy clay soils that are poor drainage wet. And then the colder you are, so like Ontario, Canada, they use tillage to help dry out the soil because they got too much moisture in the heavy clay. Well, maybe they shouldn't be growing, trying to grow a, a corn crop in Ontario. <laughs> you know, I, but um, so it, there are some soils, some conditions, but in a well-drained soil or moderately well-drained soil, uh, unless it's heavy clay, probably no-till is going to work. One of the things that you shared was adding, whether it be manure or other types of uh, waste to the soil, can certainly help boost things dramatically. Otherwise, it's kind of a slow and steady climb, which is fine, but that can have a big boost. Yeah, adding extra carbon. We talk about cover crops and rotation add extra carbon, but yeah, one other way is to bring in additional carbon, organic matter, through manure or composting. And so that's an extra resource, and particularly with people interested in food waste and recycling, that's a great way to jumpstart, improve that system um, faster. One of the things I've heard you say several times is, though, we're talking about carbon, but don't necessarily be chasing the carbon just for the carbon. And nothing wrong with carbon credit programs right now, but we tend to focus on that. So tell me why I shouldn't, in a sense, be focusing totally on that. Yeah. So, yeah, the the, the carbon credit program or, uh, that you get monetized, uh, that's well and, and good, but... Um, Really, all the extra benefits, additional benefits you get with carbon slash organic matter is more valuable than any price you put on the carbon because you improve the soil health, you improve soil structure, microbial activity, nutrient efficiency, water. And so all those other benefits really can't be monetized directly. And so if you focus too much on the carbon your your end goal should be improving your soil system, soil productivity. And that, uh, you don't want to get, I guess, swayed or skewed uh, to that end. So in other words, if I'm one of those farmers, which I am, that has no-tilled for a long time and maybe I can't get into the program, I shouldn't just go till my soil just to get into the program. I would be losing focus and perhaps doing myself more harm. Would that be how you look at it? Yeah, that, yeah, that's another reason. Like People say, well, I build up this carbon. Well, if I want to get money, I'm going to till it. I'm going to lose my carbon so I can gain it back. Well, then you've lost you know, 10, 20 years of improving your soil, making it healthier, more productive, and so you actually are probably uh, losing the end. Let's wind up with this. Certainly you work on a lot of different uh, farms, and even you know, you've been in Brazil and do a lot of research there. Are there any key takeaways you would tell farmers? You know, Look at these simple practices, and this can have big benefits if you just stick with it over time. What would you tell farmers? Well, you, know, you have to work with, within what you're comfortable with, right? Well, you've got to get onto your comfort zone at least. But... Um, we can say, okay, do no-till, do this rotation, do this cover crop. But it, it's really a developmental process. Don't 
try to do everything all at once. You have to learn um, at a whatever pace you need to learn at. But no-till and then add rotations, then add cover crops. Don't try to jump in all at once because it is complex. Not It's not just planting no-till. It's changing the system, right? So you got to cha- think about your fertility program, how you put your nutrients on. Uh, your weed management program is going to be different. And even the experienced no-till farmers I've talked to, about every five years, some new problem comes up, a new weed or a compaction problem, and they have to deal with it. And so it's a learning process. You don't, you know, um, you're not five years old and you pick up a, a novel and start reading, you know, a complex novel. You, you got to start slowly and, and gradually and, and learn from others. Learn, you know, there's other people that have kind of paved the way for you. These days, discussions about what to do with our soil often includes another topic. Should we look at a carbon program that will pay us for some of the practices we may currently use or want to implement? Mariah Murphy is the Senior Manager of Member Owner Engagement with the Trotera Field Team. She's leading the group that helps Lando Lakes member owners develop sustainability strategies within their organization. She also farms with her husband in Missouri Valley, Iowa. We'll discuss some details of the Trotera program at the end of our interview, but first we take a look at the bigger discussion of who are the drivers behind these programs and why thinking about more sustainable farming methods is important. Mariah, we're talking about carbon credits, and, and certainly we'll get into Trutera's program. But first of all, let's just talk about why these programs have developed. Uh, some people say that's consumer-driven, other company-driven. What do you see, and, and why is it important for farmers to at least be thinking about this now? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I would say um, about six months ago, we would have said that it's completely consumer-driven. Um, we're starting to see a little bit of a shift in that it is more CEO-driven, board-driven, um, investor-driven. Um, you're starting to see a lot of financial institutions actually require that uh, organizations that are working with them have some sort of ESG plan uh, in place, something around climate, environment. Um, and so I, I think that we're starting to see a little bit of that shift from consumer to more CEO and board driven. Because of that, these programs are probably going to be, in a sense, here to stay. You don't feel like it's just a flash coming through. It's something we should probably be paying attention to. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, this is just a fad. Um, We truly believe and we have a lot of evidence to support that this is not just a fad. This is not going to go away in six months or a year. Um, You know, sustainability topic has really become a buzzword in the last probably two years. Um, But we truly feel like with things that are happening in the EU, things that are happening stateside, this is something that's going to be a long-term play for us here. I suppose you would tell me that as a farmer, I should be thinking about sustainability anyway, because it's just good practices for my farm. I'm guessing that's what you're going to say that you see just through all the data you're collecting. Yeah, definitely. You know, people say that they, they're wanting to get into the carbon program, but it's not going to pay them um, enough to actually make the practice transition. Well, we really, um, you know, and Dr. Rice said it earlier, we really like to focus on the fact that, um, carbon is just the icing on the top, right? And so it is truly about the soil health journey. It is truly about the agronomic practices and making your soil health better and and adding into that return on investment. 
some people may not be familiar with Trutera and how that hooks into Lando Lakes. So kind of give them the hierarchy, if you will, of how Lando Lakes and the different divisions, because certainly we're familiar with a lot of those different divisions of Lando Lakes. Sure. So Lando Lakes is that 100-year-old cooperative. Um, we are owned by Lando Lakes. We are a subsidi- subsidiary. Um, subsidiary, sorry. Uh, and there are four main uh, organizations under Land Lakes. You have the Winfield United, Purina, um, you have our dairy foods business, and then Trutera is the sustainability business. And so we are truly focused on um, working with all of our member owners of Land Lakes, uh, really be successful around sustainability. So Trutera then, what is the, the overall goal of what Trutera is hoping to accomplish with those member owners? Yeah, so we are focused on um, a couple things. We really want to uh, maximize our return on investment in protecting our, our natural resources, meaning we want, to, we want to work with our farmers and our member owners to, um, to transform their soil into something that will provide them um, a, a long-lasting return on investment for many years to come. And carbon is one of those pieces. Let's talk about Trutera's program for just a moment. Uh, there are a lot of different programs, and I think farmers are sometimes swamped by, boy, how do I figure out what to do or where I should go and so forth. Just kind of walk through the basics of what Trutera has done, because I'm sure you've talked to a lot of growers over time to develop this program, but also looking at the the national and the world global marketplace, too. Yeah, so we have developed um, a couple opportunities for our farmers. We have our, our regular carbon program, and then we have what we call our market access program, Um we have a program that really fits any farmer, no matter where they're at in the journey. And so um, our first program will pay you up to $25 a ton. Um, so one thing that's unique in carbon is that we're going to pay you on a tonnage basis, not an acre basis. Um, so we will pay you $25 a ton, up to $25 a ton. If you have made a practice change, meaning if you have reduced tillage, if you've gone to no-till, strip-till, um, if you have added cover crops within the last three years, um, you would be eligible for a payment. Um, and then the second thing, the second program is our market access program. So if you are considering making a practice change in the 2023 crop year, um, we actually have a program that will incentivize you to begin doing that baseline data capture, um, get you into the program so you can kind of see and feel what it's like to be in a carbon program. Um, and then we will provide you an exclusive offer at the end of that 2023 crop year. So you mentioned that you pay the $25 per ton, and so some farmers will say, boy, that's got me off into an area I'm not familiar with because I can do dollars per acre. Give me, how how do I collect that information, or how are you going to collect that information, and how will I know, okay, this is what it could really benefit me because maybe I don't have an idea of how much I'm going to a carbon I'm going to sequester. Yeah, so for Trutera's program, it all starts with our survey. So you will go to our truteraag.com website. Um, you truly will take a 30-second survey. Um, you will select a retailer that you're working with um, if you have one, and then uh, you're going to answer uh, six to seven questions. Then you'll hear from us. Uh, you'll enter into the next phase, what we call data collection. That data collection is going to capture about 34 data points. Um, it's going to be everything from plant date to harvest date. It's going to be your fertilizer information, um, just very basic information that you as a, as an operator or a farmer will have access to. Um, and then we will also, in addition, take soil samples. Um, so we take two very specific samples. We take a bulk density test and a soil organic carbon test. Um, we will combine that with the data, send it to our partner, Colorado State University, um, where then we will get back the quantification or basically letting us know how much carbon you have sequestered. 
And so, in other words, when I do this, I will know, well, I know somewhat upfront how much I could be able to be paid. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. Um, so one of the joys and in, in, um, ease of working with Truterra is we are going to provide you many opportunities through the process to kind of see what what how the process is going. Um, so step three in the process, we'll provide you an estimated payment offer. Um, so meaning we are going to provide you just a loose offer of what we think you may actually get paid. Um, keep in mind that it may be more than that. It may be less than that. Um, but we try to do our best guesstimate on um, what we think you might actually get as a result. There are different programs out there, obviously. So why is that system perhaps better than just, okay, we're just giving so much per acre and so forth? There was, I'm sure, a reason why you've done it this way. Yeah, we truly believe this is the most scientific approach. We truly believe that paying farmers for the additional carbon stored or the carbon that they have sequestered is in the farmer's best interest. Um, we know that there are many companies out there that are actually paying by practice. That's what we like to call it. Um, but we are truly paying for the additional carbon stored or that carbon that has been sequestered. Um, for example, depending on where you're located, uh, if you're just getting paid $3 per practice, you're more than likely going to be leaving money on the table because of the fact that you will probably be sequestering more carbon than that. When you mentioned those practices, the practices I can change to certainly no-till be one, cover crops, do they look at what practices can I change to to be eligible for the program? Yeah, so um, again, just to reiterate, the, the practices that would be eligible is the addition of cover crops, so planting a new cover crop, um, moving to a no-till system, a reduced-till system, if you've added strip-till, um, those would be the practices that would actually qualify today. Your system, I've heard, runs quicker than some. Uh, <laughs> how do you make that happen? I'm sure everybody likes a system in which, hey, I can get into the program and perhaps get paid quicker. Yeah, we uh, we have a great team at Truterra. We, um, you know, we definitely have pride, pride ourselves on how quickly we are able to move. So from beginning to end, a farmer can anticipate the whole process taking between um, eight and nine months. Um, from taking the survey all the way to actual final contracting and payment. Um, we have a great team at Truterra of about 37 people. Um, we have a great team of data coordinators that will help capture and, um, and you know, put that data into the system at lightning speed. And so we're just, we're just very lucky that we've smoothed out the process. You mentioned the data several times, but as a farmer, Truterra will take care of that, correct? So I, certainly I'm going to change, you know, go to no-till, have a cover crop, but you all are getting that data for me at no cost to me. Is that right? Absolutely. So we feel like we are, you know, kind of the data, the data experts. Um, so you have two options. If you're working with your retailer, your local retailer, um, you know, you have the option to, to have them help you with the data capture. Um, or we have a team of about 20 data coordinators and they will work with you directly and they will actually help you um, fill in all of the necessary pieces and get that data collected. Let's wind up with this. You know, certainly you're familiar with the Truterra system because that's who you're with. But just in the general landscape, why should farmers be thinking about these types of programs more? Some have already signed up, but many are on the sidelines. Why should I be thinking about it and actually get involved in it at this point? Yeah, I think, you know, if you're a farmer and you're sitting here and you've made this practice change in the last three years um, and, and you're considering it, now is a great time to join. And I say that because um, if you if you keep waiting, you're eventually going to kind of wait yourself out of being able to, to actually participate. Um, carbon markets are all about additionality, so adding a practice. And if you are eligible today in three years from now, um, you may not be eligible. And so now is a great time to sign up. The second thing is, 
um, you know, a lot of these large organizations, they're putting money towards rural economies and, and, uh, and the ag system. And, and it, it's really no harm, no foul in signing up. Um, to me, it is, it's just another opportunity for farmers to actually add ROI back to their operation. Can we learn and apply anything that is happening in the USA in terms of carbon? I will let you ponder that one. But what I can say is areas such as indigenous biodiversity and ensuring we are measuring total sequestration to provide a net carbon footprint is critical. I will say it again, if we can't measure or reward total on-farm sequestration, then we can't measure on-farm emissions. More on that next week. Thank you for listening and catch you next time.